We, you know, we got a lot of problems here in America, Canada. A lot of traitors, man. We got a lot of people right now in our nation's capital selling us out, man, for diamonds, money, gold, jealousy, or greed. They're selling human lives out for money. And Orndorff, you walked that same line with those traitors, brother. You sold out friendship, the eternal bond that I tried to establish, even though there was a bead of sweat between our hands every time. I didn't realize that it was a sheet of sweat that separated jealousy and friendship. Orndorff, you sold out at the wrong time. You were on the verge of greatness. Now you're on the verge of destruction. And when I get you in Canada, I got one point to prove. That I'm an American, brother. And even though I love Canada, keep your nose out of it, Toronto. This is between me and Mr. Wonderful. No scientific wrestling, no reversals. Nip and tuck, strike, bat and tear. Warned off, I got a lot to tear up. Out of it, Toronto. That's so great. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> There's so many weird things about that promo. Orndoff. Orndoff. Getting the dude's name wrong. Uh, oh, that's that's Hulk. Hogs did that throughout his career. Uh, apparently, people in Washington sell <laughs> sell everybody out for diamonds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also Hogan saying this isn't going to be a scientific match, really. <laughs> what a shocker. Uh, mezzanine sleep over 153. Uh, I am slip with five eyes or sleep. I'm at megamix.com. What's up, folks? Uh, we're talking more wrestling this week because after last week's reviews of superstars, um, all you listeners were like, please just do more wrestling. And so we're. Yeah, we, we didn't promo that we were going to do this at the end of the show. <laughs> no, we did we, not. We decided afterwards with all the, all the great responses. Um, so we're going to get right into talking about uh, the big event, an event from 1986 uh, from my uh, now where I live, hometown. That's not really your home. Do you call it a hometown? Toronto. I mean, it's where I live. Uh, Toronto, it's not your hometown. It's 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 your. Uh, I guess if you live there long enough. Yeah. So like last week, hometown. last week we covered shows that were in my real hometown of Winnipeg, and now yes. and your hometown. <laughs> of course, yes. you also do this show. <laughs> yes, it's all about me. It's uh, all about you. And now I live in Toronto. We're going to talk about a thing that happened in Toronto. Uh, but before we do, yes, uh, you were saying you you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, did a, yes. took a little trip, and you wanted to tell a story. Yeah, so we went to Orlando, and uh, I wanted to tell a story. I thought, I'll tell this on air, because it's a good one. You'll enjoy it. So um, we had this trip booked to Orlando, and um, back in uh, September, uh, my mom broke her hip. And um, so she had, they were supposed to go on a cruise. And in the end, so she's recovered, and she's doing well. Uh, so they decided they booked their cruise at the same time we were going to Orlando. And we have a cat. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-oh is right. So we're like, what do we do with the cat? So, you know, we thought about it. Normally, the cat would go to my mom's. Or my mom would come and feed the cat. Or whatever she wanted to do. And um, our cat's pretty old. He's like 14 years old. And he's a bastard. And um, so we're like, all right, we're going to put him in a pet hotel. Oh, so, you know, we, cause I, you know, at first I was like, well, you could go to my cousins, but then, you know, she just had a baby. So we're like, we're not going to do that. Uh, turns out later they were house sitting on a cat. Well, like right after she gave birth, she came home and they were house sitting their neighbor's cat. So I was like, I guess he could have gone there, but anyway, no big deal. We get this hotel booked, uh, happy tales. So we, you know, we get the shots that he needs. Uh, you know, the, the vet appointment to prove he hasn't had like a cold or some kind of thing before, uh, we book it, we get it booked in solid. We take him there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we drop him off on the Friday and, uh, we leave on the Saturday and, uh, on, uh, on Tuesday uh-huh. <laughs> we're at, uh, we're at magic kingdom, at Disney world. And, uh, I get a phone call. From from the pet hotel, uh-huh. from Happy Tales, and they're like, um, the you know uh, the cat, he's he's uh, he's not happy. He's very frustrated. 
Uh, he won't let us into the cage to clean his litter box. He's always trying to escape. He's hissing and being aggressive. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And they're like, um, your, your emergency contact needs to uh, come pick him up. Uh, he, can, he cannot stay here. So he's, he's been kicked out, essentially. <laughs> he's been banned. So our, our, our emergency contact is a friend of ours, our friend Sarah. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, okay, I'm like, so can you get him, uh, we'll, we'll call her, we'll call her and we'll, we'll get her to come pick him up. Can you get him into the carrying case? And they're like, we're not, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I'm at fucking Disney on the phone with this pet hotel that's kicking our cat out and they won't even like put him in the carrying case for, they're like, that's, you know, that's what the emergency contact is for. I'm like. I thought it was just because if there was a medical emergency, you know, I thought you could just feed them, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> you could figure this out, like put on a pair of fucking oven mitts and, you know, like take them out. Like, isn't this what you're supposed to do? But anyway, they're kicking him out. So I scramble, I call my cousin's husband uh, and he's like, no, nah, I'll go get him. No big deal. Don't worry about it. And he's just a good dude. Uh, he's, you know, he grew up on a farm, you know, he knows how to handle animals. And so he's going to go there and get the cat and bring him to our house. What's what's really interesting was on the Friday before we left, I got a key cut for our friend Sarah to come, you know, in case she had to get the cat and bring him to our house and leave him there. She could have a key to get in the door and, and you know. So I get this key and I and I go to test it and it fucks up our lock. And now none of our keys work. Uh-huh. So I'm like, on Friday, I'm like, shit, before we leave, I'm like, I go to Home Depot in the morning and I go to get a new deadbolt. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get one with a key lock. I'm going to, you know, I think this will be, this will be good to have. Well, thank fucking God, because now we got to get someone else to come to our house. Luckily I had a code that he could put in and, you know, so you could do the, do the code and then on the door and then do the alarm code and it would all work. So our, you know, my cousin's husband comes, he picks up the cat. No problem. Cat's happy. Brings him home. I got to, you know, all the instructions he needs. You know, set up the cat down the basement. Make sure the door is closed because when you rearm the alarm, uh, the hallway monitor is on. And, you know, we don't want the cat upstairs because it set the alarm off. Everything goes great. Uh, you know, our friend starts coming in and every second day feeds him. He's very happy. Um, everything's going great. But uh, then <laughs> it's all on Friday. We're at Legoland. And uh, I guess Legoland is like, like, 40 miles south of Orlando. We have no cell service. Okay. Because it's fucking Florida. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you get down to, you know, you get down to Kissimmee and all this, and it's like, it's like ridiculous down there. And uh, we have no cell service. I get, I I don't even see the phone calls come in. On Saturday morning, I see I've got voicemails. It's all the alarm company. The alarm's gone off multiple times. I guess the cat all managed to open the basement door. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's all running around upstairs, setting off our alarm. <sighs> Fucking the, cat. The, the alarm company all came three times to just to check to make sure no one tried to break in, which they didn't. It was the cat. I had to call them from Denver because we had a stopover in Denver. And I'm like, just turn the hallway monitor off. The cat's upstairs. We come home. The cat fucking strolls from the upstairs. He's all, hey, what's up? Okay. <laughs> Goddamn cat. I've met your cat before. And, like, yes. I'm not around him all the time, obviously. No. And, like, that cat doesn't like me. <laughs> but... Cat, he doesn't like many people. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. But is he... Is he seriously, like, so bad that the cat hotel can't handle him bad? Well, he's not. But he really didn't like being there. Uh, when we went to get his shots and get him looked at at the vet, he was hissing. So he was uncomfortable and didn't like it. And I was a little bit concerned, but I was like, ah, oh, maybe it's just the vet. Uh, but yeah, the only other time he's been, I mean, he's fine at my mom's house. Um, but, uh, he was at the lake this summer with my parents and was, uh, he was all forlorn apparently. (laughs) And like, he wouldn't come out of the bedroom. He would just stay on the bed all waiting for us. (laughs) So he's become really attached Uh and, uh, he's, he's happier than a pig in shit at home. And when someone comes in and feeds him that he doesn't know, he doesn't care. As long as he's getting fed and get some pats. He's, he's happy. Uh, he wouldn't hiss at someone coming into our house. Like, it's not like he's protective of our house or anything. He all just doesn't like being uncomfortable. All right. So, <laughs> so yeah. So that was the, uh, the odyssey of the cat. Fucking little saga. bastard. <laughs> and, uh, he's very happy. He's very happy just being at home. So 
I thought I'd share that story on the sleepover. It's uh, it's it was the perfect time to uh, to share it. Well, you learned a lesson, and now you can save money next time. Just look at leave little fucker at home. Leave him at home. There's actually uh, a coworker of mine uh, gave a good tip about uh, someone in South in South Saint Vitale who does uh, who will come in and feed your pet for you for a decent and, price. And turn the alarm off when you leave for vacation, and then <laughs> I'll go and check in on him. <laughs> <laughs> like the repo man, <laughs> steal all your possessions. There you go. Excellent. You have no Funko Pops by the time you got home. Well, we got some more Funko Pops now. Oh, tell me about the Funkos you got because my Funko collection has exploded. Oh my god! Uh, new Funko Pops added in our house. Uh, fucking Goose from Captain Marvel. Nice. The cat. Amazing. Um, I uh, I picked up a Kurt Cobain action. Mm-hmm. Um, my son got uh, Dobby. And, um, I believe he has Sirius Black as a dog and, uh, my wife got the limited edition Alice in Alice from Alice in Wonderland in the uh, teacup ride from Disney. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, and was there any other new ones? No, I think that is it. How about you? Any new ones? Uh, over Christmas and since Christmas, uh, the ones that I've posted already, a Stefan. Yes. Yes. Oh, you got Stefan. A Stefan, a drunk uncle. Yes. Uh, an Al Bundy. <laughs> nice. Of Bundy's. I don't know if you've heard that of that of show. I, oh, I know Bundy's. Bundy's. Uh, I have three Fraggles and Doozers. Uh, I have I have Red, Wembley, and Bobo. Or Gobo. Uh, I, so I'm still looking for uh, the other two. Which, uh, Do maybe, they have a traveling mat? Uh, yes, there is a traveling mat. Nice. Uh, but that's not the five main ones, but I may have to get Traveling Matt after that. But they each nice. come with a little doozer, so... That's uh, so great. So that's great. Uh, Wrestling-wise, I have a million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Yes. Uh, and uh, I believe those are... Well, I so I picked up over Christmas. Uh, they had uh, Bill of Bill and Ted yeah. on sale. Yes. Because <laughs> who wants fucking Bill? Exactly. So, well, we would. So I picked it up and I'm like, all right, you know, I'll see if I can find Ted. Then I found someone in Toronto selling Ted. Nice. So I have a Bill and Ted as well. Yes. Uh, and then there are others uh, from before Christmas, but those are the, the latest you got, ones. You got Vince McMahon too. Well, I got Dowde over Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you did. Well, don't uh, thank me. You thank the little man. Uh, yes, yes, many, What many is things. on your wish list? Uh, those other doozers. Yes. Uh, I may want to fill out the rest because they have the other three Bundys. <laughs> yes. So, and you can just pick them up. Like, they're everywhere. I just haven't yeah. bothered yet. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of hoping, like, right now they're still full price, but I feel like they're going to want to sell those ones off at some point. Yes. So I'm just being patient. Uh, I would love to get Bret Hart, but that seems to be more of a rare one. Yeah. Uh, so Bret Hart is definitely on the list. Yeah. Um, I'd like to get the Purple Rain Prince, but I feel like that's going to be a lot of money. That's going to be real tough to find, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, that's on my list. Purple Rain Prince I've been waiting for for a while. Uh, I'm keeping my eye open for an Oscar one because that one looks awesome. Oscar? All right. I'll let you know if I see Oscar. Yeah. Um, I'll probably end up again if I find it on sale. I'll probably get, you know, an Iron Cheek. Nice. Because, <laughs> you know, you have to. Of course, the real. The real. And uh, it will depend on what's on sale. Like, obviously, if you're in wrestling or in movies, like, they, they do have, uh, again, the, the Home Alone set. If it goes on sale, I'd grab those. Yeah. Uh, there's also, um, there's Back to the Future ones that I've seen here and there. Yeah. You know, one of the most disappointing things with, with uh, Funko Pop so far, they have, they have lost ones. Yes. But all know Desmond. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's not good. Because that's the only one I'd get. Like, there's like Hurley, Locke, Jack, Kate. Ugh, disgusting. <laughs> you know, no, no, Saeed, no fucking uh, Desmond. Come on. Yeah, those 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 guys are the best. Yeah, I would also. Uh, I I keep my eye open. There's no good uh, 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 Gamora from Guardians. That one I would like as well. All right, well, I'll let you know if I. If there's I only a gold one. version, which I'm not interested in. I'm headed down this weekend to the Big Muff. For the <laughs> the Jets game. Oh, uh, nice. Jets playing the Buffalo Sabres. So I'm going to see. Well, where I'll tell you what. I mean, some ones they need to make. Clearly, Repo Man. Oh, my God. 
That would be the greatest one ever with his little tire tracks on his on his duster. I mean, you know it'll never that's one that they'll never make, right? Because no, we love him, but in the grand scheme of things, such an inconsequential character. Oh, I know. But they could do like you know they do, you know, some Funkos, they have like three or four versions of the same guy, right? Yeah. So why don't we get like fat Shawn Michaels and you know, <laughs> like ninety five Shawn Michaels with the hat? Yes. <laughs> you know, I would pick those up for sure. And the out of control mullet. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's, there's WWE has, has, has plenty that they could still put out that, uh, Oh my God. Imagine, imagine two dudes with attitudes. Oh, uh, you know, I was thinking this past weekend Yeah. and I wanted to, I, I was going to text you on it, but then, you know, I just forgot, yep. <laughs> you know, uh, I probably just turned on TV and got distracted. <laughs> of course. But like, what kind of grown ass man thought that he could call himself big daddy cool in 1995 <laughs> and think that that would get over I'm Big Daddy Cool. Oh my god. That's a terrible name. Uh go back. Uh there's we did an episode on what episode did we do where where we where where the intro has uh has Dees and, and Michaels talking like they're Batman and Robin? Oh, I don't even remember which one that was. Oh I I can't for the life of me remember right now, but my god. That's ridiculous. I think it may might have been in your house, maybe. I don't know. Well, go back in the archives. Go to In Your House 4, everybody. That's, they talk that's about how they're like Batman and Robin. It's terrible. In Your House 4 is one of the most likely places where you'll probably find it. So go check it out. Uh, when we were uh, 16 and 17, we thought that was very cool. Ugh, we're 17 fucking, 18. We were, we were so into two dudes with attitudes. We were fucking dorks. <laughs> yep. So the big event. All friend. right. So let's go on, move on to the big event. So let me tell you about the big event from the Wiccai. Do it. The big event was a professional wrestling special house show event produced yes. by the World Wrestling Federation on August 28, 1986. It took place at Exhibition Stadium in Toronto, Ontario, former home of the Toronto Blue Jays, a stadium that no longer exists. It has been replaced by BMO Field. Yes. Uh, it drew a crowd of over 74,000 fans. This is on the Wiccai, so I don't know if this is the doctored number. That's the, that's the gimmick number. Uh, though on, I think, was, I think it was closer to sixty four thousand. So on the cover of the video cassette that was released for this, they say yes. that it's sixty five thousand fans in the uh, stadium. Yeah. So yeah, I don't that's think closer that, to the real number. So I don't know if the WWF is actually pushing a fake number as they normally do. I it, think they are. It was an outdoor attendance record for a wrestling show at the time, uh, and I believe that's legit. Yes. Uh, this was released on VHS on Coliseum Home Video. Uh, yep. And the tape is about two hours long. There are a number of edits, which we will talk to, uh, talk about. Yes. Because yep. the WWE Network put this up in their pay-per-view section, and it is just the videotape version, so it contains the same edits. Yes. Uh, the The event takes place... During the Canadian National Exhibition in 1986. So they show these impressive shots from the sky of the city of Toronto. Yeah. Basically, the show starts off with shots of downtown Toronto looking so much different than it does now. There's all no condos, no sky. It's all so tiny. Uh, it's like this tiny little downtown with like the CN Tower and no Sky Dome. No. Uh, they, they then make their way out west to the exhibition grounds. You can see the X's going on. You can see the rides, the Ferris wheel, the, the roller yeah, coasters. It's impressive. Um, I did not have any details on what, if, you know, I don't, I, w- I would imagine this is like uh, when we saw the WWF in 1996 at the Red River exhibition. Yes. Where. Most of these fans probably got into the stadium for free with their ticket to the exhibition. According to the history of WWE.com, um, 64,000 attendance, 61,470 paid. So, but what I don't know, I don't know what paid would mean. Who knows what that means? Yeah, I would think, I would imagine what likely happened was if you wanted a floor seat, you probably paid a premium price. And yeah. if you wanted to sit in any of those stands, uh, you probably got those for free. But in looking at the stadium, I mean, it's legitimately full. Oh yeah, you absolutely. Know. I mean, uh, it's a uh, it's a, it's a spectacle. Yeah, it's and, a happening, as Gorilla Monsoon would say. And this is before stadium WrestleManias. Like they had stadium shows at Chase Stadium. Yeah, 
But this is before WrestleMania 3, etc. So at the time, yes, absolutely an impressive crowd. And, you know, there there is the WWF. Um, I know that World Class ran shows. Uh, AWA ran them in baseball stadiums. And in all yeah, of those nothing ones, like this. you'd get like, you know, 15, 20,000 fans. So many empty seats. This one is, again, legitimately packed. Yeah, it looks, it looks impressive. I mean, this is WWF at its peak, right? I mean, this is right in the boom period. It so. is. WWF, extremely popular. Uh, as the uh, Wikipedia page, though, says, this is very much a house show. Yes, it is. Uh, I don't know if the page you're looking at will tell you, but also, despite the fact that this is on Octo- August 28th, which is normally very hot period, it's yep. clearly a very cold show. So cold. Uh, their yeah. fans are in spring jackets, all bundled up. Yep. Uh, people who are not climatized to this are all commenting openly about how cold it is. Yep. So again, unseasonably cold. I don't know if you can actually, I would imagine there's gotta be a site, right? Yep. Uh, Where you can find this. Well, you can, yeah, you absolutely can find that. Well, well, I don't know about 86, but I'm putting August 28th, August 28th, 1986, uh, weather. And what am I seeing here? Past weather in Toronto, Ontario. Oh, well, yesterday yeah. and last two weeks. Worse. <laughs> well, you know what? We don't have time to, to sit here unless we were to pause it, which I don't think we want to do. But I could, I mean, it's got to be in the, it's got to be in that, uh, that, that it, it looks to me to be in that sub 10 degree Celsius. Yeah. Like it doesn't look, it doesn't look pleasant at all. Right. Is that is that wind whipping out over the lake, whipping it off the lake, <laughs> whipping it off the lake, uh, which, uh, as you'll see in later matches, is identified incorrectly by the announcers. <laughs> well, yeah, especially Johnny V. Um, and you know, knowing uh, Exhibition Stadium and and the the history of the Blue Jays there, it's it's known to be quite a cold stadium. So, I'm not shocked. Late August, that uh, some bad weather would come up in Toronto at that point. So. Uh, well done, uh, WWF with the planning on that one. Uh, so, uh, I guess we'll just get right into this event. Oh, yeah. yes, please. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned right off the top, uh, they have the nice, uh, intro video for the VHS release clearly, uh, recorded during the event, uh, for, and, and inserted in post-production cause this was not live to watch anywhere. Uh, classic Toronto skyline shots of everything there. They're really loving their helicopter shot in this one. They 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 use extensive shots from the helicopter. Uh, it looks great. Uh, there are uh, oh, we have our commentators. This is terrible. The Gr- worst. Gr- Gorilla Monsoon, Ernie Ladd, and Luscious Johnny V. Oh my god! On commentary, just such a hideous trio here. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, so we go to uh, match one. <sighs> Uh, Haas and Jimmy Jack Funk versus the Killer Bees. Uh, Jimmy Jack Funk, not a real Funk. Haas, of course, Dory Funk Jr. Uh, ha- the best thing about Jimmy Jack, he's wearing a bandit mask. Yes, he is. He's, he's a little Zorro mask. One thing that I noticed right out of the gate, um, the ring apron looks like a garbage bag. <laughs> <laughs> like a blue garbage bag. It, I, I, it's like, it's shiny. Um, the lighting is terrible. Um, they clearly just have the stadium floodlights on, and not even all of them. Nope. So the the ring bathed in shadows. Uh, I wrote There's no lighting rig. No, not at all. Uh, I wrote poor Dory Funk Jr. Oh, uh, God, we get Brian Blair starting off giving multiple slams to the heels. Brian Blair. Brian Blair. Uh, Blair and Brunzel maintain the advantage with slams, arm drags, and arm locks. <sighs> Uh, Gorilla wonders why anybody would name their property the Double Cross Ranch. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Which is where the funks are from. Well, you know why? Because they're heels. They're heels. Brunzel with the sleeper, but Brian Blair comes in for no reason. And so when the ref is distracted getting him out of the ring, Haas comes in and nails Brunzel from behind. Yep. Uh, Brunzel gets slammed and the heels are about to get the heat when they get... Uh, they, 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 sorry, the heels are about to get the heat and then we cut ahead yeah, in the match. the match. 
uh, to the spot where the bees put their masks on. So it's like the heels are about to get the heat. Then it just cuts, and the bees are now outside of the ring, and they're putting their masks on. So, so the, the, the deal there is what? The killer bees have this gimmick. They're both like regular dudes wearing yellow packs uh, with no masks. Yeah. But well, they the have look like they are bees. Yes, That's right. Uh, they have, but they have masks hidden under the ring, lucho masks. Yes, which they both put on, and at that point they become indistinguishable. And I will say, uh, in the grand scheme of things, where you have many people, you know, trying to make you believe that you can't tell guys apart with their masks on, this one's the, legit. Be- the bees are pretty tough to tell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, until. Brunzel starts throwing that fucking signature drop kick. <laughs> so one of the bees is getting beaten up, um, but when the heels aren't paying attention, they make the switch. Jimmy Hart is on the outside. He sees the switch. So he's yes. screaming at the heels like, they switched. Watch out. No. They switched. <laughs> uh, but the fresh bee does get a small package on Jimmy Jack Funk, and the killer bees win the match in six minutes and 53 seconds. I don't know. I believe that's just the time on the tape. I don't, yeah, I think so too, though it seems a little long. Uh, Maybe that was the length of the actual match. Um, Because that's from the Wiki and from uh, what I'm looking at on historyofwwe.com. Yeah, I I love the the, the faces win by cheating. Uh, I give this one star, it was bad. Yeah, I'll give it a star as well, um, just for Jimmy Jack's bandit mask. (laughs) Match two. King Tonga versus Magnificent Morocco. King Tonga. First of all, Morocco's got an amazing crop top. <laughs> and he's so fat. Also, Morocco, he bows in a manner where he's actually sticking his ass out at the audience. Yep. Uh, Morocco's King- great. King Tonga is Haku. And they talk about it at length throughout the match about how he's going to be called Haku. Yeah, they're like, he wants his name to be changed. Yeah. Uh, he gives a bunch of arm drags and the slam. Monsoon says that Tonga's Polynesian blood is running hot. <laughs> Morocco has packs that have a lightning bolt on them. I assume because he's powerful. Uh, he keeps working over Morocco's arm forever. Uh, finally, ha- uh, the, the heels get the heat when Fuji trips Haku as he hits the ropes. And <laughs> Haku sells it like he's been shot. Oh my god. And I love throughout the match, the announcers talk at length about deviousness because Fuji. Uh, also, when the ref is distracted, Fuji will take liberties and hit Haku with his cane. Yes. Uh, Ernie Ladd advises all the wrestlers out there to avoid going out of the ring, especially when there's a manager. <laughs> of course. That's smart. Listen, Ladd wasn't the worst part about He's kind of boring, but my God, Johnny V, so bad. Uh, Morocco. Um, at one point, where, where, where are you in the match right now? Uh, I'm at the point where there's a rest hold, so go ahead. Is this the nerve hold? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So, Morocco gives this tiny little nerve hold. Like, it's minuscule. I mean, he must be using the, the dainty tips of his fingers. Uh-huh. And uh, Haku, the ref comes in. Yes. And checks Haku's uh, tonga. Yes. Haku's arm. It drops three times. Now... In wrestling, that means that the match is over. Yes. Then he just repeats it, picks it up. It drops three times again. Yes. And the match continues. Haku eventually (laughs) comes to life and just powers out of the hold, and that's his comeback. Yes. Uh, Morocco goes to the top rope, but he does it so, so slowly, so he gets slammed off the top turnbuckle. Uh, Morocco at this point dripping with sweat. <laughs> he all gets he all, it, the sweat explodes off of him when he gets chopped. It's fucking disgusting. Uh, Haku with a bunch of chops and he goes to the top rope and hits a high cross. Yes. The referee takes fucking forever to come over to count, <laughs> and before he does, the bell sounds. Yep. So we get twenty minutes of this bullshit, and it's a time limit draw. Yep. Finkel says that the referee has ruled the match a time limit draw, or a draw, to which I thought, well, no, the time limit expired. The referee didn't make a ruling. Yeah, and Monsoon is talking about it as a time limit draw, but the people in the, in the building have no idea why it's a draw. Yes. Uh, I gave that one star as well. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Match three, Ted Arcidi against Tony Gurria. 
Uh, according to this uh, history of WWE.com, Tony Gurria subbing for Tony Atlas. Oh. So imagine what we could have had as a match. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Ted RCD is wearing runners. Huge white tube socks pulled all the way up. Oh, such white gym socks. He's got a singlet on, but the straps are down, so it looks like he's just wearing spandex. And that's how he always wrestled, so I thought, what's the point? What's the point of having the straps if you're not going to yank them up like Kurt Angle? Uh, Gurria, of course, is a skinny dude wearing packs and no knee pads and couldn't look like a bigger geek. Oh, my God. Tony Gurria from New Zealand. Did you know that? Yes, he. Yes, I did know that. Uh, Ted RCD is just so roided up. He's such a, like, beefy fucking juicy man. <laughs> Like, he, his lateral movement is non-existent. No. Uh, he gets the heat for about a minute, and then Gurria hits him with a drop kick, And then RCD puts a bear hug on Gurria and wins the match. And no one cares. Uh, um, the highlight the replay, of this... The, the replay, though, catches RCD before the bear hug, all doing the little clap. Yeah, he's all, the guy's classic. running to him, and he's like, here we go. I love it. Um, that's, that's classic wrestling. The highlight of the match... When he does sink, uh, cinch Gurry up in the bear hug, he's all hopping to make it more powerful, and the ref hopping along with him excitedly. It's so good. Uh, dud. Yeah, terrible. Okerlund interviews Jimmy Hart, saying uh, uh, that his man, Adonis, will wrestle. And, of course, because Adonis is ad- androgynous, they have to be yes. like, oh, he's a man. Man in quotation marks, yes. Uh, Jay... Uh, Jimmy Hart talks about how JYD is going to learn a lesson because JYD is repeatedly taking Hart's pants off. Yes, that's true. Uh, match four, Adrian Adonis versus the Junkyard Dog. I love the security in the Molson Canadian sweatshirts. That is so, right. Amazing Adonis, Canadian. Adonis, by the way, wearing scarves and mismatched leg warmers that look like they're straight out of the WAWF's mysterious metal box. <laughs> He looks like he just found fabric and just wrapped it around. It doesn't even look like scarves. It looks like Elliano Elliano sash. So Adonis comes out <clears throat> to no music. They show his whole entrance down the aisle. Then yes. JYD, who has like one of the top three entrances in the organization, they just cut it off and go to the match. Yeah, you hear grab them cakes for like five seconds. And then they cut forward. So Adonis comes after JYD, and the dog uh, punches him with the chain. The ref does yeah. nothing about it. Oh, nothing. Uh, Gorilla says Adonis has to be busted open. He isn't. Nope. JYD, <laughs> Headbutts. Keep, <clears throat> JYD keeps going after Adonis on the apron. The ref stops in, uh, or steps in. JYD pushes the ref away. Oh, he fucking puts him on his arse. Uh, Jimmy sprays uh, JYD. Uh, in the eyes with perfume while the ref is distracted. And I said the dog totally deserved it. Yes, he did. Uh, Adonis with the heat, but he ends up going to the top rope and crotching himself. Yeah, uh, it's all super awkward. Yeah, so basically they set this all up so that JYD can throw Adonis onto Jimmy Hart and they can both tumble outside the ring, right? Yeah. So then this is weird. He throws Adonis on Jimmy Hart. They fall outside the ring. Bell rings immediately. Yep. There's no count from the ref. There's no nothing. It just matches over. Yep. And they announced that JYD has won by count out. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. I'm like, where was the count? Like, what happened here? There was here? no count. It, it all happened in, like, the span of, like, 10 seconds. Uh, match was 4 minutes and 15 seconds. Dud. It was so bad. You're yeah. noticing a pattern with these match ratings. Yes, indeed. It's going to get worse. Match 5. Dick Slater. Dirty Dick. Uh, versus With his Confederate flag cape. Uh huh. And he's the baby face. Yep. Against Iron Mike Sharp from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, Iron Mike. You know, I saw a clip of Iron Mike Sharp tagging with Hogs in Japan. Oh, nice. You gotta he, look that up on YouTube. Did you uh, Slater is wearing a Confederate flag, as you know, noted. Uh, Mike Sharp with a bunch of woes. Oh God! Tons of them. Uh, they go back and forth a little, and then they cut ahead to the mat. Uh, cut ahead to where Slater has the advantage. Yep. Uh, Slater with a neck breaker and a leg sweep, and then he hits an elbow off the top rope and rolls up Sharp for the pin. Sharp, a glorified jobber. Uh, the match heavily clipped. Um, best part for me: Slater's drawstring flops out of the front of his packs. 
<laughs> and uh, I also noticed that the stripes of his socks are peeking out the tops of his boots. Uh, they, That's a great look. That's 80s wrestling right there. The Wick Guy says this is six minutes and 24 seconds, and I think that that might be the legit time. We did not see all that time. There's no way we did. Uh, we get Mean Gene Okerlund yes. talking to Bobby Heenan. Yeah, they're going to train the fans to chant Weasel. Uh, Heenan says his team will beat the Machines, and Orndorff is going to defeat Hulk Hogan. And then he claims that he's the reason that 70,000 people are in the stadium, and then they encourage fans to call him the Weasel. Now. Because the fans are hearing the promo, are hearing the interview over the loudspeaker. Uh, let's pause for a second. Yes. Uh, because before we get into this match, we have to talk about the Machines. Yes, please do. Lead us through it. Give it. You start off. Give us an introduction to what this is. Uh, okay, so if I remember correctly, I don't know what I don't have the timeline perfect, but at some point the storyline is that Andre gets suspended. So Andre, Andre the giant, Andre legitimately takes time off of wrestling to film the Princess Bride. That's right. They suspend him in storyline. In storyline, they suspend him because he misses matches. Yes. Um. So. While Andre is serving his suspension, uh, Lou Albano claims to have found these Japanese wrestlers. Yes. Known as the machines. <laughs> so good. Uh, there are three main machines. Uh, yes. Actually, initially it was supposed to be two. Yeah. Uh, one is the giant machine. machine. Giant machine is Andre. And the giant machine is Andre the giant in a mask. And the second yeah. one is going to be the super machine who is played by Bill Eadie, who would later on move on to a demolition and then yeah. Repo Man. <laughs> no, he, no, no. Bill Eadie was never Repo Man. Was he? was always just Axe. Which one was Repo um, Man? Is, uh, is Darso. Oh, Darso. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. So, so Bill Eadie was the mass superstar. That was what he was in whatever, whatever federation previous. Yeah. Uh, and so he was already doing the mass gimmick. And, uh, so in between that, in between mass superstar and Axe, he was super machine. So, uh, but at the time, Andre the Giant uh, legitimately deteriorating quickly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Health wise. And so they realized the guy is not going to be able to work a lot of matches. No. So they bring in Blackjack Mulligan. Yes. To be, uh, to be, what was it? Uh, the oh, big machine. The big machine. So the three of them are the super machine, the big machine, and the giant machine. That's the uh, that's the gimmick. They're all wearing Japanese superstars. Yeah, they're black singlet wearing Japanese masked superstars. Now remember that it's wink wink because everybody knows it's Andre the Giant. Yeah. So now the idea here is that Bobby Heenan uh, knows obviously, and everybody knows that this is a bullshit uh, way yep. to get around this. Um, I would like to play a, a promo that explains it. Oh, please do. Now, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, it's my pleasure to introduce to you the president of the World Wrestling Federation, Mr. Jack Tunney. And Mr. Tunney, I understand that you have a clarification on the suspension of Andre the Giant. Suspending Andre the Giant was one of the worst things I had to do uh, as president of the WWF. However, I had no choice. He failed to appear for a couple of matches that he had contracted for. Mr. President, may I congratulate you on your decision? You have made my day. You've made my life. You talk about Andre the Giant, how he, an honorable man. I told you about him. You should have listened to me. You people should have listened to me. And now he's back, or he's trying to come back with somebody else as a partner, calling himself the Giant Machine, the Super Machines as partner. You know it. I know it. We all know it. That is Andre the Giant. The Japanese wrestlers, they have Japanese oh. passports. It's, uh... Uh, could be uh, Giant Baba. Mr. President, please don't make yourself look bad in front of the people. That's Andre the Giant. I know it. The man speaks like Andre the Giant. There's no Japanese wrestler seven foot five. Mr. Heenan, if you can prove that that's Andre the Giant, I'll suspend him for life. So there you go. Yes. So Jack Tooney. Jack Tunney. <laughs> so I love the idea that Jack Tunney's like, you know, they've got passports. Why bother looking under the masks? Exactly. Like that these guys like show up and apply to wrestle there with masks on and their passports. Yep. Of course they do. <laughs> like what do their passports have? Them in masks? <laughs> I guess so. So uh anyway, so the jokes of course that you know these guys are obviously uh pulling a trick on the heels and Bobby Heenan's incentive is that if they can unmask the machines and prove that it's Andre, uh he will be suspended for life. Yes. So 
that's kind of the story. But what makes it amusing yes. is that a co- two things make it amusing. Number one is they, the machines will cut promos and they have to pretend that they're Japanese. <laughs> the second part is that for a few of the matches, there are other machines. Nice. Uh, the other machines who wrestled with them are Crusher Machine, who makes an appearance in Minnesota. Of course he does. Animal Machine. Uh, Piper Machine wearing a kilt. Oh, I love it. And uh, one more machine. Let's listen to this promo. Come on. Gorilla Monsoon back in the locker room area with a mass of humanity. The machine's about to endeavor here in a six-man tag team matchup. Super Machine, Oki Machine, and Hulk Machine. Hey, we have prepared many, many evenings for this match coming up. Big Machine, myself, and our good friend and partner, Hulk Machine. He has told us many things about our opponents, Studson, Bundy-san, and Weasel. Heenan. Heenan. We are prepared for war. Super Machine, let me ask you this. The Hulk Machine, is is he going to wear a mask comparable to yours during the match? Hi. Hey, he has... This is not what he's going to wear during the match. We do not give out oh, sorry. secrets sorry. before... Don't you worry what the Hulk Machine is going to wear during the match. The reason I got this mask on, man, is I just came from the Mid-City Gym, where Hulk Hogan trains in New York City on 48th and 8th. And I said, how much can the dude bench press, man? How much can Hulk Hogan bench press? So what I did was I got under the bench, 726 pounds, one more pound than Hulk Hogan can do, and I bench pressed it five times, man, five times. And all the people in the Mid-City Gym, they couldn't believe their eyes. They started fripping out. Fripping out. Fripping out. Fripping out. Yes. Fripping out. And Gorilla Monsoon, I was asking where Hulk Hogan was because after the workout, I taped my arm, and it was 24 and a half inches, man. One half inch bigger than Hulk Hogan. Wow. Almost as big as the Oki Machine's arm. Wow. The Oki Machine's arm is 20 bowls of rice around, or 27 inches. Chotomati-san, dozo. Hi, do I talk about Japanese, do one more time. Secret weapon, Hulk Hogan-san, machine-san. Hi, hi, hi. Unbelievable. Six All right. Jesus Christ. So where do we begin? <laughs> I don't even know. Do we start with fripping? <laughs> fripping out. Oh uh, so they're pretending to be Japanese. It's super racist. So racist. Uh, but I do love Hogan is is wearing a bright yellow mask. Yep. Uh, I actually then watched a match with the Hulk machine. <laughs> he all It's all wearing his fucking mask with the Hogan bandana on. <laughs> just super ridiculous like (laughs) you need to kind of push the uh we're japanese thing aside some of it pretty damn funny for especially for 86 yeah it's kind of weird it's got that weird metatextual thing to it right and it's it's pretty uh it's pretty neat uh the match with the machines not nearly as good no uh so in this match we get uh, the Big Machine, the Super Machine, and Captain Lou Albano against John Studd, King Kong Bundy, and Heenan. The Giant Machine is standing at ringside, like uh, uh, you know, in the corner. Yes. Uh, so again, Big Machine, Bill Eady, Super Machine, Blackjack Mulligan. Uh, Stud uh, early on spills out of the ring. They 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 kind of um, even though the Giant is a legit Giant, they kind of bill these other two machines as being these massive men as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, they're big dudes, but in the grand scheme of WWE at the time, you know, they're just kind of regular dudes, right? Yeah. I mean, Black Dick Mulligan is, is, is a tall guy. Yeah. But, uh, but, 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 uh, but Axe, not so much. Yeah. So, uh, we get some back and forth. Uh, Bundy gets the best of the machines with just like forearms and punches. Like that's yeah, all it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, we get the classic sequence where one one of the be- uh, machines is compromised. Heenan gets tagged in to like nail them a few times, but then get out of the ring like a little chicken shit. Yep. Uh, I like that Heenan's got the BH boots on though. Awesome. Bobby Heenan boots. Yeah. Uh, so Heenan gets tagged in a second time, but as he's kind of distracting himself, uh, one of the machines gets the tag into Captain Lou. 
Captain Lou, by the way, like, it's fucking Mick Foley. He's in sweatpants. Runner's sweatpants, a fucking shirt over another shirt, and big, crazy, fucking curly hair. Oh, big time. Mick Foley. Uh, he goes after Heenan. Heenan gets the advantage quickly, and Lou gets caught in the heel corner, so he's getting beaten down. Yep. And so the giant machine just comes into the ring and runs off the heels, and the machines get DQ'd. It's pretty bad. But the, So the match ends with the heels winning by disqualification, seven, seven minutes and 49 seconds. My favorite part. Uh, Finkel is taking this long-ass time to make the announcement, because I guess it's supposed to be a big yeah. surprise. And the machines are all standing there prepared to take the win, and it's like, yeah. you are professionals. Like, you should know what happened. Like... And you're the faces. Like if you let's say that you fucking uh you know you're you're a sprinter or you're a fucking like yeah. you know you're a swimmer. And like yep. you've clearly cheated. Yep. <laughs> you're not going to sit there at the end and anticipate being announced the winner. You should yeah, know. Exactly. But these I mean, guys if you're the bad guy then sure. Yeah. But but these not, guys not, are idiots. Not, not the baby faces. Uh match 7, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Jake the Snake Roberts in a snake, snake- a Jake in a snake pit match. Yeah, that means anything goes. Yeah, so initially they said that they were going to have Ricky's dragon and Jake Roberts' snake in the corners, yeah. but uh, they said it was too dangerous for this match. I'm assuming they probably weren't allowed to bring them in or there was some sort of yeah. probably like well, Canadian law. I don't know. During during the match, Gorilla talks about how great it would be if they could be there, and I'm like, but they're not, so why are you talking about it? Yeah, this match would be even better if... Yeah. Um, they would later bring their animals in the ring on what on Saturday night's main event. Yeah, um, Jake wearing such a sassy robe. Oh, he's got the purple robe on before the it match. It looks like a dress. It's, it looks like it's a silk fucking dress. Uh, Ricky comes to the ring and Jake pulls him in the ring right away, and they start wrestling now, in the here's ropes. Here's my question: Is that Steamer's original theme music that they're playing? Oh, they're playing "Serious" by uh, Alan Parsons yeah. Project. They did not overdub. Nope. It's awesome. Uh, Usually, if you watch these things, they've overdubbed with that ridiculous music. This sounds like the original music. Uh, during the match, Valentine asks if the Canadian flag has an oak leaf on it, and Gorilla confirms that it does. They are wrong. They are wrong. Uh, you are also wrong. It's Valiant. Oh, Valiant. Valiant. Valentine. <laughs> um, apparently, Steamer's bandana helps him remember the day Jake attacked him and DDT'd him on the concrete. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, Ricky, classic, uh, classic worker, gets a hold of a limb and works on it. Um, Johnny V at some point pontificates on how long Jake's arms are, and what, and, and then wonders what links his sleeves must be. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about how long his sleeves could be <laughs> in his shirts. Yes. Uh, Valiant also thinks that the lake that the uh, the city is sitting on is Lake Erie. Monsoon corrects him; it's Lake Ontario. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, we get uh, Ricky delivering a bunch of chops and a thrust kick because, of course, he's a karate master. <laughs> uh, they spill outside. Jake gets the advantage with kicks and punches. Uh, Ricky gets his hands on a chair, though, and drills Jake with it and then gets back in the, in the ring. Yeah. In 1986, a fucking chair shot to the head. Uh, delivers a top rope chop, but that only gets two. Uh, we get a rest hold. Ricky with more chops, and then he uh, whips Jake uh, into the corner, but it's reversed, and Ricky tumbles to the outside. Yep. Uh, Jake gives Ricky a slingshot into the ring post, and we get some juice. Yes. We got we got, we got steamer gigging. <laughs> uh, Jake gets Ricky back into the ring and delivers his short clothesline, but then classic Jake goes for the DDT and can't yep. hit it. Nope. Uh, Jake hits a reverse atomic drop and then the stomach breaker, but then he goes for the cocky cover where he all kneels on yep. the guy's shoulders and poses mm-hmm. with his arms out. And uh, Ricky gets the reversal for the pin and the win. Well, at least it was a clean finish. Good match. Dumb ending. Uh, 10 minutes and 17 seconds. I actually gave this one two and a half stars. I think it's the yep. match of the night. Absolutely is. No, nothing wrong with watching steamer work and Jake's Jake's got the boots on. Uh, match eight, Billy Jack Haynes versus Hercules. <sighs> Still Hercules Hernandez with the giant afro. Uh, no intros for this match, and like rightfully so. Uh, I just wrote yawn. What I found interesting here, yes. Gorilla is doing commentary alone. Yes. 
And it's all in a hushed voice at the start. Like he's a Wapas announcer and there's like a vigil going on. So, I mean, clearly this is an overdub. Yes. Uh, all the other matches, they are in the, they're in the stadium. Yeah. Uh, commentating live. This match, I, I would assume didn't have commentary live. So or they didn't like the commentary. Yeah. So gorilla is now in a studio and he's commentating after the fact. He says that, uh, Valiant and lad have lad. left the studio Maybe to get groceries. <laughs> or li- libations or groceries. <laughs> That's whoop-ass, man. Be like, oh, I think they went to the bathroom together. <laughs> uh, a Hercules they announced, hits... <laughs> Gorilla talks about how Terry Yost is the referee. You don't hear that very often. I just, Gorilla by himself, him. so weird. It is weird. And he, like I said, he's talking all quiet at first. It's so strange. And he gets all, like, matter-of-fact. Like, when he's commentating with other people, he's kind of, like, full of spunk. Yeah, but when he's by himself, he's like, "Let me stay." He's like a, he's like, he's like Gorillapedia. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Gorillapedia, come on. <laughs> Hercules uh, gets the advantage. Some elbow drops. Uh, he gets crowd a, is fucking dead. By the way, oh well, like, he they gets, don't care about either of these guys. He does get a two, and you hear a fan yelling at the ref to learn how to count. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but then you also hear the fans with a boring chant, but it's not like mm-hmm. boring. It's all boring, boring, boring. boring. Awesome. Uh, Billy Jack with a comeback filled with punches and kicks and a second rope elbow. Uh, he yep. goes for the full Nelson, but he can't hook it in and Hercules escapes. Yep. Hercules with a long, boring sequence of moves. <laughs> There's a female fan screaming, come on, Billy. <laughs> Uh, Hercules goes for his neck breaker, but gets caught in a backslide and gets pinned. I gave it one star. Uh, shockingly, they it would be they would have much better match uh, in six months at WrestleMania three. It was eight months in WrestleMania three, which is ridiculous because that match kind of stunk too. Six minutes and eight seconds, and now <laughs> I'm gonna get so fucking upset. Oh my god! Match nine. You would think. The Rougeau brothers versus the Dream Team would be okay, right? Yeah, and in eight months, their match, not bad. So the Rougeaus, at this point, baby faces, and they're in Canada, and they're wearing red packs. So is Valentine. So they're indistinguishable. Yes. That's what I noted right off the start. Um, Valentine has the exact same pack color scheme as the Rougeaus. The Rougeaus, by the way, the worst baby faces ever. I mean, okay, I can't even like I can't even go blow by blow. I'm just gonna tell you why I hate this okay. match. Yeah, on a, can I just pipe in quickly? Yes. That Valiant is now back in the booth and he's the Dream Team's manager and he just wants to be down there. Yeah, so okay. So Valiant on commentary spends the whole match bitching about how he's on commentary and can't be in the corner for his team. Yep. Then we get the match going. And then we get the fucking uh, pinfall attempts. And this fucking referee. This fucking idiot shit referee. (laughs) Yep. First of all, he's fucking slow to get over to the shoulders. All the time. Then he he does. Then he has to count the pin. So he slaps the mat with a count. Then he fucking checks the shoulders. And then he slaps the mat again. It's such a slow count. I'm looking. He's right in there. Like, here's he's how it right goes. Right at the fucking shoulder. He goes for the count. He's like this. One. Check. Check. Two. So he takes all the drama away. It's so fucking boring. I. Oh, I hate this ref so much. <laughs> so eventually, the match breaks down and everyone just kind of comes into the ring. Yep. It's just a fucking mess. The commentary is. Gorilla not knowing what's going on. Uh, Lad is being quiet. Valiant is bitching. It's a fucking wretched train wreck. Yep. Then the fucking match keeps going. Yep. The dream team keeps getting uh, uh, beating on Ray on the outside. I, at this point, want to mute the commentary because Valiant is not stopping. Like, nope. (laughs) Just nonstop. Uh, Heat on Ray for a long time. I then wrote, this is the longest match ever. Yep. Then... The Rougeos do an illegal tag where one of them has his feet on the bottom rope. So the ref stops him. While he's stopping him, them, the heels do an illegal switch. The referee sees it, doesn't care. Nope, doesn't care. I then wrote, I hate this match. 
The hammer winds up for his big elbow and misses. We finally get a hot tag to Jacques, who delivers a bunch of drop kicks, but then he misses a second rope fist drop. Yep. The hammer then with a figure four on Ray or on Ru, uh, Jacques. Ray breaks it up. We have another fucking mess with all four guys in the ring. <laughs> then Ray, who is the illegal man, does a sunset flip to, Valent- to Valentine, and the ref gives the first normal count of the match for the pin. <laughs> yeah. He's just one, two, three. <laughs> we also forgot to mention their terrible little bombs away splash that was. The dude was positioned way too close. Oh, God. And it looked terrible. So the Rougeos win. Valiant is still angry and upset about the match. And then Monsoon is like, well, and also the wrong Rougeau got the pin, but oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. And the crowd doesn't care. And what does it say that Beefcake isn't the worst part of this match? No. This match, minus five stars. Oh, it's so bad. Because everything, the commentary, the fucking ref, and the action. Everybody's confused. The, the, you know, the guys aren't, you know, like, they're, they're decent workers other than Beefcake in that ring. <laughs> and it's just not working. I fucking hate this match. I never want to see it again. Match 10, Pedro Morales versus Harley Race. My God, a couple of old dudes. Uh, two former world champions. Yes, no intros. Uh, no intros for either of them. Uh, we go outside. I wrote just a couple of old dudes in giant packs duking it out. Like they're all out of shape, fat. Yep. Big packs on. Uh, yep. I do like that they go outside right away and race throws Morales into the timekeeper's table. It's so just, awesome. The dude's a former world champ and race just treats him like garbage. Because race doesn't give a fuck. No. And there's a kid in the crowd screaming at race <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> this little dude. And he's just going to fucking town. I don't even know what he's saying. Just screaming his fucking guts out at race. It's tremendous. Uh, They get back into the ring. We're a minute into the match. Uh, Morales hits a suplex on race. Both guys can't get up. They're so blown up. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Morales with a few pin attempts. And then I realize we have the same stupid fucking referee as the previous match. (laughs) So he starts doing his stupid counts again. And I'm upset. I'm so mad again. Uh, Harley finally scores a pinfall with his feet on the second rope. And it sounds like the fans are chanting for Hogan. Like, I think the commentators play off like they're saying bullshit. Yeah. But I think they're saying Hogan. Probably. Uh, Anyways, this match is a dud. Three minutes and 23 seconds is all you get. Shortest match, second shortest match on the show after the jobber match with RCD and Gurria. Oh yeah, this was this was bad. Um, they do call race. They announce him as the winner, and they say the winner, the king of wrestling, handsome Harley Race. <laughs> awesome. Uh, finally, match eleven. We get the main event. Oh yes, Paul Orndorff. Orndorff <laughs> against Hulk Hogan. So the storyline here. Do you want to tell us the storyline? Yeah. So uh, Paul Orndorff uh, comes in as a heel. WrestleMania one. He teams with Piper. Against Hogan and Mr. T. Um, they lose. Piper starts to blame Orndorff. Um, eventually, Orndorff turns face. Him and Hogs become friends. Uh, they're hanging and banging. Um, but of course, you know, uh, Orndorff, his ego won't let him uh, be second fiddle to Hogan. Uh, they have a whole kind of slow burn uh, uh, heel turn for Orndorff. That revolves around, essentially, they're teaming up and they're tagging, and um, Orndorff wants to be kind of, he wants to outshine Hogan, uh, and there's an infamous uh, angle where uh, they're going to have a match, I guess for the tag titles, but Orndorff books them against someone else on his own and tries to call Hogan, but Hogan won't answer because he's at the gym. Yeah, It's a whole thing. Orndorff turns on Hogan in a major kind of uh, angle. And now Orndorff is a heel again. The big spot in the heel turn is they're against uh, Bundy and Stud. Yes. And uh, there was a point in the match where both heels are out of the ring. And Orndorff uh, helps Hogan to his feet and kind of like raises his arm in victory and then drills him with the clothesline. Yeah, and it's awesome. But earlier in the match, Hogan nails him on the on the apron inadvertently. Yes, of course. To kind of start the turn. And it's it's tremendous. Like it's a great it's a great fucking angle. So it's what's so even good. what's even better about it is when they're a tag team, they both use Hogan's theme music, Real American. Yes. So when Orndorff turns heel, he keeps the music. 
Of course he does. Because so, he's such a piece of shit. So he comes to the ring with Real American playing, and then they just keep the song playing, and, and down comes uh, Hogan. Hogs, yeah. Uh, Hogan needs so many security people around him. Oh, he's he's so fucking popular. It's I mean, crazy. Again, like, people can dump on Hogan all they want. This dude is, like, fucking crazy over. I mean, the crowd is fucking jacked. Yeah. They come alive. Like... It's 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 astounding how alive this crowd comes when Hogan. This dude was was massive. Uh, as the ref is checking Hogan, Orndorff drills him with a clothesline like such a piece of shit. Oh, it's so good. What I also love about this crowd is the huge bedsheet that says "Welcome to Orndorff Mania." Yes. Awesome. Uh, so what's funny about Canadian this match? Fans. Oh well, and, and what's funny about this match is that it's clearly like crazy for Hogan crowd, but there are yep. audible cheers and uh, fans for Paul Orndorff in this match. Smart marks. Uh, so they, uh, there's a brawl and it, it's just a brawl. And it's, you know what? I got to say in my notes, I wrote early on such a fast pace for these two oafs. <laughs> They're going so fast. It's really good. And, and it starts out fucking hot. And the brawl is great because again, these guys shouldn't be fucking locking up and doing moves. No grappling. And Hogan promised no grappling, no moves fight. No. Uh, no. So uh, they're brawling. Hogan eventually goes after Heenan and gets nailed by Orndorff. And then Orndorff gets uh, the heat on Hogan. Yep. Uh, suplex to Hogan on the outside of the ring. Awesome. Monsoon says there's nothing out there but steel. <laughs> even though the ringside area is clearly padded with matlas. Yeah. And like what steel? <laughs> uh, it's very, there's very clearly gym mats out there. Uh, Orndorff fucking blue for God's sakes. Uh, Orndorff spends a lot of time arguing with, with the referee. Hogan does his selling where he's all trying to get up and he's all reaching out to the crowd for help, and the crowd is oh, fucking yeah. eating the shit up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, eventually, uh, Orndorff goes for his pile driver, but Hogan backdrops out of it. Yep. Uh, Orndorff keeps working Hogan over. Uh, Hogan takes a quick back suplex and then he kind of hulks up as Orndorff poses. Yep. Like Orndorff is posing and Hogan just pops to his feet, right? Yeah. Then he gives the big knee to Orndorff and Orndorff he goes gave in. Give him a fucking blowhole. He gave him a blowhole. And Hogan, that was Hogan's move, eh? Like, yeah. he didn't use it uh, kind of after WrestleMania 3, but when he was early babyface, that was one of his big moves was the blowhole. Yeah. Uh, the axe bomber. Uh, Orndorff goes spilling into the ref and the ref takes a big riff bump riff bump uh, Hogan gives the uh, then Hogan does the uh, spot where he then like takes Orndorff and like raises Orndorff's arm and then clotheslines him yep and then like humps the like, air like an asshole it's so good and then he's so excited he humps the air Yep. And then he says he's going to go for the pile driver. But as he's setting uh, Orndorff up for the pile driver, Heenan drills Hogan from behind with the stool. Yeah, it's like the old boxing stool. It's awesome. Uh, Orndorff with the cover and the ref is slowly crawling over and they're selling it like, holy fuck, like the title's well, going to change. He gets a visual 12 count on Hoax. Yes. Uh, and then the ref finally crawls over. But then instead of counting, he taps on Orndorff's shoulder. Ugh. Orndorff. Orndorff. Thinks that he won the match. He grabs the belt and he puts it on. It's awesome, but dumb ending. And then they announce Hogan won the match by DQ, and I'm confused. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, wouldn't you, like, they basically claim that Orndorff drilled the ref, but it's like, it was clearly an accident and Hogan's fault. Yep. Uh, anyways, DQ. And the referee could not have seen the stool to the back. No, so Hogan's uh, Hogan's the winner. Uh, Orndorff starts to work over Hogan again. Hogan gets the upper hand, runs Orndorff out of the ring, does the hole where he lays the belt down and is like, you know, fucking come at it. Yep. And uh, we basically use this match to set up more matches. Yeah, that was good. I I, I like that. I gave that three stars for spectacle. Uh, I gave it two stars uh, because it was, you know, it was quite the match. I liked it. I that that fast pace at the start got got me all excited. Like that was. That was classic wrestling right there. Uh, we get some really long fucking instant replays with no commentary. Yep. And then uh, credits roll. That's it. And we are. She wrote, buddy. We are at the end of the big event, uh, which I guess crowd-wise was a big event. Match-wise, a big fucking dud. Oh, it was terrible. Go go watch Hogan Orndorff. It's great. Uh, and that's all we got for this week, folks. So. Uh, 
yeah, next week, if we even do a show, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, probably more wrestling. Maybe uh, a movie. We'll figure it out. For sure, buddy. Uh, uh, check us out on mezzaninesleeper.com for all of your uh, back archives on Mixcloud. And until next week, uh, I should... I'm at megamix.com. Oh, before you sign off, I have to do ah. a plug. Uh, check out our other podcast, Albums oh, yeah. Are Dead. Uh, last week, we covered... What did we cover? We covered uh, Boston. Yes. By Boston. And coming up this week, we're going to be doing uh, Permission to Land by the Darkness. Oh, you're carrying the load this week. It's going to be great. Uh, we, uh, can't wait. Yeah, we cover a different album in detail every week. So much buzz um, around yeah. that podcast, as with all of our podcasting goodness from Mezzanine Sleepover Productions. There you go, buddy. Uh, I'm at negamix.com. I'm at Slip with Five Eyes or Sleep. See you in a week. Goodbye.